0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning and happy 4th of July week. We are so glad to be gathered today. What better weekend to be together as the church than a weekend where we celebrate freedom. I know we do all kind of crazy things and we get to do celebrations. And how many of you are going down to the fireworks? Do you find fireworks somewhere? Okay, a few of you. So the rest of you just take a nap or you just go to sleep on <laughs> 4th. It's a, it's a week that's just a lot of stuff happens. And we talk about freedom. And we celebrate freedom. But does freedom really matter? You bet it does. But maybe not for the reason you think. A lot of people think, well, freedom is an awesome thing because I get to do what I want. That's not freedom. Freedom is when you get to do what you were created to do. That's true freedom. And so a series called What Really Matters is where we walk through chapter 9 eight and nine of, of first Corinthians and, and we're looking at what Paul said and I'll just give you the bottom line for these two chapters Paul said yeah there's a lot of things I'm free to do like I can eat meat that sacrificed to idols because I know there's no such thing as another God. and I can go and I can preach and depend on the church to pay me for that but I don't why because I don't want anything to get in the way of the gospel I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I want the gospel to be clear. And so everything Paul did, he did for the gospel's sake. I think that's why we're free, is that we get to live the gospel. We get to share the gospel freely. And on a morning like this, we get to assemble together. Danny and I were with um, a, a fellow pastor from Canada. Recently, we had, had dinner with him, and he was telling us about some of the pastors that he knows that have been in prison or in jail. Because they were just teaching the Word of God, just like we do here. And I just thought to myself, God, just don't ever let me take freedom for granted. And you know what that makes me want to do? It makes me want to sing a little louder when I'm here on Sunday. It makes me want to get a little more excited. Why? Because this is a gift. This is something that we have... The right to do, but we have the freedom to do. And to every man and woman who ever served this country, thank you for protecting this right. Let's give thanks, Lauren. They blessed us. So, whatever you do, I hope you have a great time and remember these words from Paul. Let's go to chapter nine, where Paul is going to lay out a really, it's, it's, it's difficult to read, but it's really a pretty simple argument, reasoning of why he does what he does, and it's all about the gospel. So let me tell you the three areas. We're going to go from verse 1, chapter 9, down to verse 18. Here are the three things he's going to talk about. Servants of the Lord should be well cared for by the church. He talks about that. He says it's very biblical, it's very appropriate, and it's very good. Servants of the Lord are free in the Lord. We ought to be moved more by the gospel than by somebody telling us what to do. In other words, there are no strings attached when somebody's called. You do what God tells you to do. The last thing, true freedom, is only in Jesus. That's where you will find it. So with these in mind, I want you to start with me. Verse 1, chapter 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen our Lord? Now, some of you... If you know the story of Paul, there's most likely not a place where he actually got to see Jesus in his earthly ministry. Jesus' earthly ministry. However, on the road to Damascus, when Paul saw this light, he was not a Christian. In fact, he was killing Christians for a living at that time. He saw something and literally He'll never be the same. And what he saw, I think, was Jesus. And so he considers himself as one who saw Jesus. And by the way, in that day, if you had seen Jesus as an eyewitness, you had a greater authority. That's where the word apostle originally came from. Somebody who had seen Jesus. Well, he considers himself as someone who saw him. Are, are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? So basically, Paul's saying again, I think, he wasn't married. Did he have the right to be married? Of course. But he said, no, I just am fine because I'm going to do what God called me to do. Now, the others can take a wife, and he names the the brothers of the Lord, which we know is James. And he says, even Cephas, who is that? Simon Peter. We know Simon Peter was married. And the reason we know he was married is that he had a mother-in-law. And Jesus spent time in her home. In fact, Peter's house included his family along with his in-laws. Okay? So imagine that. Peter was a man of grace to do that. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. He had everybody there. And so they had wives. And Paul said, that's great. It's, they have a right to have wives. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? In other words, just because I, I choose not to get paid by the churches, does that mean that I don't have the right to do that? Well, of course not. Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? No. Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake also? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope. The thresher thresh in the hope of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Now let me just pause there. All of this is to say, guys, it's perfectly appropriate for a workman to be paid by the church. It's perfect. It's what the Bible teaches, but it's okay for me to not. And the reason is, is because I don't want anything to be in the way of the gospel. So the very next thing out of his mouth, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. And this is really a passage that though Paul is trying to say to us, I have a right to receive that. I have a right to refuse that. Because most importantly, I'm about the gospel. And so as he's doing this, what he's saying to us is it's very appropriate for churches to take care of the workmen. And he gives biblical examples. He goes back to the Old Testament. He says, hey, the ox, you've got you to take care of the ox because he's doing the plowing for you. And then he also goes to the priest of the temple who drew, literally were fed by the money and the gifts that came to the temple. And then he even says, and Jesus commanded it. Where did Jesus command that the workers be cared for and paid for along the way? Luke chapter 10, verse 7, when Jesus sends out the 72, he said they're worthy of their work. And they will be cared for by those to whom they minister. So all of this is to just simply say it's appropriate. Now, what's so cool about this? It gives me a chance to tell you something that maybe you don't know. This church does an amazing job of taking care of all of us who are ministers here. I mean, it is unbelievable what this church does for us. And you know, what's ironic, especially when it comes to me, I only work one day a week. So it's just fascinating how... They, they, they are willing still to take care of us. Seriously, never been or heard of a more gracious church. Guys are amazing. And let me tell you, every time you give in the offering, every time you hit push pay, every time you give, there's a portion going to take care of the very group that takes care of you. We are shepherds of your souls, as the scripture calls us. And we have the honor of serving you. You bless us over and over and over again. And you know how this church does it? This church has an elaborate system of people involved in that process so that it, it is full of integrity. There's no question. In fact, we are a member of an organization that all they do is accredit churches and other nonprofits, and you have to meet criteria. You have to go through a, an extensive interview and thank goodness we are a part and we pass every time with flying colors. And, and the whole point of that is to tell you, yeah, give, give praise to the Lord. Every penny that's given is handled appropriately. So the first level is a, what we call a personnel team. You know what the personnel team does? They are the ones who set salaries. They are the ones who determine the pay. And you know how they do it? They don't just sit out in a room and go, "Would well, y'all like him? Well, let's pay him a lot. No, we don't like him. Let's not. No, no, no. They do research. There are actually organizations out there that compile all kind of data. And from that data, they're able to understand what is the reasonable amount that we should pay them for the work they're doing for the gospel. Did you know we just lost this week a personnel team member that is one of the greatest I've ever known? His name, Stuart Hall. He went to be with the Lord. Man, I can just see him, and sometimes I'd see him over here, sometimes I'd see him back there. His family's with us today in this service. And I'm going to tell you, that man loved his staff. We called him Big Dog. And, And we called him Big Dog just because when he walked in, he just had that presence about him. But he served on that personnel team, making sure we were caring for all of our staff in an appropriate way. And I want to say thank you to every personnel team member. You guys do an amazing job of caring for us. And not only personnel team, you got a budget administration team. Call them bat team. I didn't want to confuse you with bat team. And then we have trustees and all of them. All they do is simply take care of what Paul is talking about. And it's appropriate. And it's so good to know. We don't have to worry about that. You provide for us. And we will forever be thankful. Some of you. When you have a minister do a wedding. You don't realize you're honoring this scripture. When you give that minister a gift. What you're doing is. You're doing exactly what Paul says. Hey this is right. This is, this is what you should do. And even at a funeral, when you give an honorarium, that whole principle is, I think it's right to, to bless the ox that has done the work in whatever way that is, and it applies even to that. i, I tell you what, what this church is about. There's some of you that just know how to give gifts and bless people whenever the Lord tells you. Man, you don't have to wait for an appeal. You don't have to wait for a Sunday. You just bless. Last Sunday... I mean, even last Sunday, a man walked up to me and said, I feel led to do something, and I want you to help me do it. And he gave me money, and I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to bless so-and-so. And I said, absolutely. I went straight to him. said, I know there's, you don't know him, and you don't need to know him, but God knows you, and God knows him, and he wants to bless you through that man. It happens all the time. You remember when COVID hit, 2020? We were, this is before I went down with all the health stuff. I I mean, I can remember meetings where we were like, what's going to happen? If we can't meet for several weeks, what's going to happen? And so all the pastors voluntarily decided, you know what, we're all taking a cut. We're all taking a cut because we do not want to be a burden on the church because these are not normal times. These are atypical times. One of our members heard about it, and he came to me and he said, I'm not about to let my pastors take a cut. I will make up the difference so that my pastors and my staff is cared for. That's the heart of this church. Can I tell you thank you on behalf of Rachel, myself, and all of us. Thank you. There's a whole bunch of us. Thank you. So Paul says that's the way it should be. But he said, I don't have to do that because I have another idea. So the next point, and you'll see it in the next verses, he says, a servant of the Lord is free in the Lord to do whatever the Lord tells him to do. So we're not bound by money. I mean, I've had conversations. It's crazy. I've had conversations with someone many years ago, not here. He walked up to me and he didn't like the music in one of the services. And he said, Pastor, unless you change the music, I'm not going to give. And he said, you know, I give a lot. And I said, well, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you do. I wanted to say, so you're not giving, you're buying, right? But anyway, I didn't. Just give me a little credit for some of those filters that are still in place. And, and he says, I'm going to quit giving. I said, man, I, I, you know, I hate that, but I understand. He said, well, that doesn't bother you? And I said, no, it really, it really doesn't. Why does that not bother you? He said, I said, because we... We've got, uh, I've personally got a father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And my father will take care of anything here as long as we please him. Well, who is it? I'm like, um, have you ever read the Bible? It's got a lot of good stuff in it, you know. I believe God will provide. And so Paul says, I'm not going to be bound by Money. I'm not going to be bound by obligation to a committee or obligation to a convention. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. So look at verse 15. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel... That gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I, do, if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not my own will, I'm entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right... the gospel now a lot of words and a lot of different ways he's saying it but he's saying the same thing over and over and this is what it is i want to be able to proclaim the gospel in freedom now whether i receive gifts or not whether i am taken care of or not he said the lord will take care of me my boasting is in getting to tell the story of the gospel in other words I do this because I want to do it. I don't do it because I get paid to do it. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is this is where it gets really interesting in application for us. There's a difference in coming to church and serving the Lord because you have to, and because you want to. There's a difference than coming here because you, you know, you, your parents made you. Or or the girl you're with, or or you're whatever, somebody. And so you're under their influence, and so you show up. Whereas if you show up because you really want to, it makes all the difference. Here's how it makes a difference. When I was a kid, my dad said, you're responsible for the yard, and you have to mow it every Saturday. During summer, every Saturday, you got to mow. I hated it. I hated mowing. I was trying to figure out ways I could pull a mower behind my bike or behind something. I mean, I just hated it because it was a push mower. It was not self-propelled. It was not a riding mower. It was old school. It had a gasoline engine, but it was old school. I also had the privilege when I was 16 to buy a Chevrolet pickup. Save my money up. He told me, he said, son, that's your truck. You're responsible for it. Can I just ask you a real simple question? Which do you think I better care, the yard or my truck? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Man, I babied that truck. I put shag carpet in that truck. (laughs) I put an eight-track system in there. Man, I put everything I could into that truck. The yard, I destroyed our yard. And the difference... They were both obligations, but one of them, I wanted it. What Paul is saying is, I want to share the gospel. I'm not having to do this because you're giving me something. I'm doing it because I want to share the gospel. And I'm free to share the gospel. When he uses the word boast, go back to the text. When he uses the word boast, uh, it's not the same. So in other words, he says I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of that ground for boasting. Now, when you hear Paul say, I'd rather die, that's wrong. What is the deal boasting? I mean, I always thought boasting was bad. It's a different word. Paul is very fond of the word boast, by the way. He uses it a lot. It's it's actually the word glory. Here's the difference. I could stand up here and boast that LSU won the national title in baseball, okay? Now, the Gators in the room wouldn't be real thrilled with me. That's just human boasting. That's of the flesh, and it has no place here. I will never do that again (laughs) until it happens again. But anyway, boasting in the Lord is when your greatest glory is seeing somebody's life changed by the gospel. His glory was what brought him the greatest delight. It's what lit him up. I mean, it's what he lived for. So he said, don't take that away from me. I want to do that. And I want to do it because woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. So what I believe is that we are free And we're free to do what we were created to do, and that is to bring glory to our Creator. And the last thing, true freedom. True freedom only comes from Jesus. And when you are exercising that freedom, when you are doing that, the Lord just takes care of you. Was Paul worried about, well, what's going to happen? I'm not going to get paid. I'm not going to. No. You know why? Because he said, the Lord will take care of me. Can I just tell you, Rachel and I uh, started a journey together, this January would be 45 years ago as husband and wife, 45 years. It was just like yesterday. 47 years ago, I became a pastor of a little church in Arkansas. Did you know in 47 years and 45 years of marriage, I've never had One church that called me, where before they called me, I knew what I was going to make. I didn't care. In fact, I remember one church said, okay, we now, if if you're going to accept the call, we need to sit down and negotiate. I said, what are we negotiating? And they said, your salary. I said, oh, no. No, I don't need to negotiate that. Y'all talk to the Lord and whatever he tells you, that'll be good enough for us. And for 47 years, I've never had a conversation with anyone about what he made. In fact, the chairman of our personnel team now, he was with me the other day, and he looked at me, he goes, you probably don't even know what you make, do you? I said, well, the only reason I know is my accountant told me. (laughs) So, you know why? And I don't say that to boast to me. Listen, that's the wrong point. We say that because the Lord has never failed us yet. He has never failed. He has never failed neglected. I just think when God calls you, he's going to take care of you. And that's exactly what Paul says in in the Thessalonian letter. Go to that verse. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now that doesn't just apply to preachers. That's all of us. If the Lord calls you to do something, that's why he created you. So your freedom is about being free to do what you were created to do. We're celebrating this week the freedom we have as a nation. We're 247 years old. Can I ask you a question? I don't know anything about it other than I saw the feed come across my phone. There was another shooting in Baltimore. There's not a day or two that doesn't go by that we don't have another shooting somewhere. So my question is, are we really free? Are we prisoners of ourselves? I want to show you a quote you'll know exactly where this quote came from in 1963 one of the greatest messages one of the greatest speeches ever delivered in DC Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said this free at last free at last thank God Almighty we are free at last freedom has been a part of our language it's been something we celebrate the irony The tragic irony, less than five years after he made that statement, an assassin's bullet ended his life. In Memphis, Tennessee, where I was born. So my question is this, are we really free? Freedom is not the freedom to do whatever you want. That would be ludicrous. That would be like saying, well, today I want to go shoot somebody. Or today, I want to go do this, or I want to go do that. No, no, no. That's not freedom. That's chaos. Freedom is when you wake up and realize, I am free to do what I was made to do. And that freedom is found only in Jesus. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be what? Free indeed. See, we can can try to talk about the end of slavery which Martin Luther King did an amazing job fighting for the civil rights of all people. But here's what we learn from history. If you don't set the heart of man free, we'll never see freedom in this country the way God intended it. It's the tyranny of the heart. It's the confinement and the absolute prison that we have. What's amazing to me is we have armies. We have the best military in the world. And we can liberate a nation. We can liberate a continent. But we can't liberate our own people from prejudice, from hate, and from violence. But I know the one who can. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the freedom that we need. So today, as we celebrate, celebrate freedom in Christ. When I was... My life was changing. I learned something about freedom. I thought I was free. I mean, you know, I'm young and thought I could do anything I wanted, but I couldn't change my life. I had hate in me toward my parents. I had all kinds of rebellion wrapped up in me. And I thought, well, I can fix that. I'll just read the right books. I couldn't fix it. I'll get myself involved in sports. I'll just get covered up playing. No, couldn't fix it. And I remember the day Jesus set me free, and it was only Jesus that could do it. I just learned what I hope all of us know. There's only true freedom in Jesus. And until you know him, you're your own prisoner. The heart has been taken captive by another enemy. And Satan has been called in Scripture the prince of darkness. And Jesus came to shatter the darkness and to set the people free. Even the early church fathers knew this and the early fathers of this nation. You remember a name, Patrick Henry? Give me liberty or give me death. 1775, this is what he said. I've now given everything I own to my children. There's one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is Jesus Christ. Because if they have everything I gave them, and they don't have Christ; they have nothing. I think Patrick Henry was right. Today, the greatest gift is Jesus, and the greatest freedom we'll ever know is Jesus. I got a text a minute ago from a good friend. He's down in West Palm. Pastors the church, and this is what he texted. Today, we get to preach like free men in free pulpits and free churches in a free country. What an honor and a blessing. Many around the world and throughout church history would love that opportunity, and we get to have it every week of our lives. This week, I will give thanks for the freedom we have to share the gospel, to preach the gospel, to live the gospel. Will you join me in giving thanks to the Lord right now for that freedom? If you're watching or you're in this room and you've never found that freedom in Christ and you've tried to change, you've tried to make things better, relationships better, you've tried to make yourself better and you can't, can I just tell you that You'll find freedom when you find Him. And this morning, I want to I pray for you. I want us to bow together. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray that Jesus would set you free, to be who He created you to be, to be exactly who He died on the cross so that you could become the best version of you there is. If you've never trusted Him, I want you to do it. I want you to ask Him, or maybe tell Him this, Jesus, thank you for coming to set me free. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. Thank you for being raised from the dead. Jesus, I choose to follow you the rest of my life. Jesus, set me free. Lord, I pray that for anyone in this room and all of us to be reminded that's where freedom is. And help us to know that This freedom we have is to share the gospel, to live the gospel. And God, I pray we'll be faithful to do it. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.